This is episode one of our podcast, Eggs in a Lot of Baskets. We're your hosts, Charlie and Andrew. I'm a college fashion design major. And uh, I'm a college uh, econ major. And uh, we feel that our different mindsets and backgrounds provide a unexpected but welcome blend of information and uh, entertainment at the same time. So we hope you'll enjoy that. All right, so uh, let's get into it. Uh, so today's uh, theme for the episode is home economics. And how... Wait, is it home economics? <laughs> uh, it, it could be if you're classifying these... Or is it home education? Well, it, it's technically is, both. Yeah. I mean, economics, it could be economics in that we're talking about household tasks that if you, you could put a dollar price on them and think about how they interact with the rest of the productivity of your household i guess yeah i mean this is I mean, something this is something we this kind of like shows yeah no this kind of like shows the lack of like home ed in the <laughs> school system right now um so that's kind of like the main theme of today's episode would be uh the lack of home education and how that's kind of like impacted mostly millennials and our generation which actually happens to be gen z we're considered mm-hmm. the older seniors of gen z yeah, definitely, yeah, the older bits. Or older bits are slightly early middle. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not the end. Definitely not the end. Yeah, we're, like, on the cusp between, like, millennial and Gen Z. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's a very strange borderline area, and it depends on what research institute you like to look at. If you look at Pew Research, uh, which is pretty commonly cited, yeah, we're about on the border, very early border, so. All right, so, okay, let's get into it. Um, so you actually brought this up for the theme of today's episode, because you were talking to me about how you, you yourself know a lot of people who don't know how to do simple tasks at home, whether it's laundry, how to clean, although some people know how to cook. So, I mean, you can dive into that more. Hmm. I think it becomes very dramatic when you first go to college and get a roommate. Um, my first roommate wasn't entirely useless but it was very clear that he's never had to clean anything in his life um he would he wasn't nasty or mean about it like as if he was forcing me to do the household related duties like cleaning or organizing or getting rid of messes or something like that it's not that he was forcing it but it's that he genuinely didn't know what to do about those situations Mm -hmm. as if he expected someone else to do something which is probably his experience back at home uh and which i think is the experience back at home for a lot of young people um i think their parents are generally responsible for things like cleaning washing the dishes taking out the garbage running errands and maybe taking care of elderly members in the household even Mm -hmm. Uh, that falls a lot on mothers or fathers or older members of the household yeah Yeah, definitely not young people most of the time from what i've observed i I never really asked you about your dorm situation because i'm a commuter myself i commute to new york city and that's where i actually go to university so i don't know the experience of living with other people besides my own family how is your dorm set up? Do you have, like, a little kitchenette area and a bathroom? And then you have, like, this separate bedroom? Because in my own school, um, from the dorms that I actually did go to, to some uh, several friends, 
even the most basic one, um, that was, like, kind of, like, the cheapest, had, like, a tiny kitchenette area, a very small bathroom, a very tiny, like, living space. They were on, like, a weird corner. I don't know how to explain it. So they kind of more or less had, like, an island as a table for their living space. Mm. And then they had two somewhat, like, sizable bedrooms, you know, that had the lock and everything. So how is your dorm situation? So what you just described to me sounds like a suite, mm-hmm. generally. So it's, you know, one large area you know, with a kitchen and living space and then a few separate rooms. For me, the first time I had a dorm room, it was not a suite. It was just a generic room, double room, which could house two people, had two beds on opposite sides, two desks on opposite sides. Uh, pretty generic one room, one large room set up for two people. Um, so obviously we did not have cooking duties. If you wanted to cook something, you had to go to the public communal okay. kitchen uh, on a different floor. So that didn't really seem to be involved. What it mostly seemed to be about within the double room setting was cleaning. Uh, we had some type of agreement that we were supposed to both clean. But honestly, if one person doesn't actually know how to clean, that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, so were you able to make like a schedule like, okay, you got to do the dishes or how did that, how did the division of the cleaning even happen? I think think what we said was that uh, every Sunday we would dedicate it to cleaning the room. So just have it be a weekly thing instead of trying to clean it every day or every few days, which is a hassle, especially during the weekdays if you're busier. Mm -hmm. So we decided to have it dedicated to Sunday and it would basically just divvy up the duties maybe one sunday i would clean the floors and he would dust the stuff and then get rid of any like messes on our desks or under the beds um and then the next sunday after that it would be switched or flipped and we would like reallocate certain types of tasks that was the general idea but that's not how things actually ended up going. One, because it's kind of my fault. I didn't really follow the schedule of when to clean. Sometimes I'm very spontaneous and I say, the room is very dirty right now. I'm just going to clean. Okay, so and you wait be, for the mess to kind of like it'll be a, It'll be a Thursday or something. And I think, oh man, it's too dirty in here. Disgusting. I can, I can feel the dust in my lungs. I'm done. <laughs> I, no one can live in these inhumane conditions yes, any longer. Your crumbled up chip bags under the bed were becoming too noticeable. Yeah. Definitely. And, all your uh, friends pointed it out. Ran- random clothes and just random, mm-hmm. all, all hanging off the bedposts. Yes, yeah, your so. nasty underwear just everywhere. Okay, that, that's a little too far. <laughs> that's a little too... Maybe shorts or a shirt. But okay. Underwear on, on a bedpost, that's that's a little too much. Like, least, <laughs> trying to air it out. You, you can't... <laughs> <laughs> trying to air it out, just go do the laundry <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, and actually, you know, now that you brought up laundry, the surprising number of people who don't know how to do their own laundry, considering how genuinely simple, I think it's one of the more simpler cleaning tasks. Especially with the introduction and mass usage of pods. Tide pods. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why? Because before you would have to use liquid detergent and then that would involve opening the detergent compartment and Mm -hmm. pouring it in there and make sure you're pouring the right amount. Okay. And for young people don't feel like memorizing the line on the cup that's important to use. Because there's also like new wave, because the washer and dryer machines, again, I don't have a dorm, I don't know what's up. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) we have new technology in my house. New technology. Where you just dump in both 
detergents, like your detergent and then the fabric softener. Uh-huh. Whether it's like the uh, the dry sandy version or the liquid one, you just dump it in there at the same time and it does it automatically for you. You just put it in, forget about it. So, is yeah. that not like what it is in colleges? No, I think. I think almost everyone uses pods because it's just so simple and efficient. Mm -hmm. And all you have to do is dump the clothes in there, put the pod in, close the door, make sure it's on the right settings you want, and it just starts. And the pod automatically dissolves inside. Yeah, inside (laughs) the, you know, the compartment. You don't have to put it in some kind of extra detergent, you know, compartment, or you don't have to really think about it too much. You just put it at the bottom of the spinny area <laughs> and you put in the clothes the spinny thing and and that's really it i think it's called a washer machine where i'm from i don't know <laughs> yeah you put it in the machine <laughs> that's that's besides the point but i mean okay like getting seriously into it like how many people percentage wise of you that you knew in college whether you were close friends or not mm. did not know how to actively do their own laundry at least from my experience a lot of people knew how to do laundry mm-hmm. that wasn't that severe um, or okay, how many? How about this? How many people were just introduced to doing? Okay, laundry? just introduced. I think that was pretty dramatic freshman. I think a solid fifty or sixty percent were oh, just wow. introduced to doing laundry. Okay. From what I would observe, just the way they were kind of initially fumbling around, like oh, should I like reallocate like certain colors <laughs> of clothes? My certain colors of clothes here. <laughs> should, should I just put like the the, the colored clothes here and then the the white clothes here, and, like, they, they were too busy thinking about it, so I was like, okay, these people clearly don't do laundry, mm-hmm. or, like, they don't understand how this specific machine works, because at least the machine in my dorm was, it didn't really matter to separate the colors, because it wasn't so intense that other colors would bleed into your white clothes, so it was fine to just shove everything in one machine. Yeah. Which, I, I, you know, side note, I mm-hmm. believe there's this new conspiracy theory coming out that you don't have to separate as badly your clothes, it's As mostly just to. whatever colors and then take out your whites. Mm. And then possibly if you have delicates, obviously put it in the delicate cycle. But yeah. I've been hearing that a lot lately on social media. I don't know. I follow a lot of like um, help save the world uh-huh. type content. It's probably because of improvements to the washing machines themselves and maybe changes to the materials they're using clothes. Yeah. All right. So, you know. Now next, besides laundry, which I think, I don't know why this took such a big portion of this conversation. It is an interesting topic, though. But, um, cleaning-wise, okay, so maybe people outside of dorms, right? When Mm. you were still going to high school. Mm. Did you feel as though there was more or less people uh, cleaning their own homes? Like, did you ever have a conversation where someone was like, Oh, I have to clean my house, man. I'll talk to you later, or whatever. Sometimes, very, very rarely. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think the majority of my friends and acquaintances did actual cleaning themselves for their household. I think I can attest to that. Because I do feel like in my own experiences, actually, in speaking to people who do dorm as well, um, like I have a really great friend who, she has her own dorm. She was in like the second tier dorm in my university, so I had an oven. Oh. So, which was nice. Um, actually, yeah. Do I have, I think I have two people who actually are in that dorm. But in any case, the first girl, I remember she would have to clean all the time because there was a really big rat problem. A, a rat problem? Which is common in New York City apartments slash dorms and buildings. 
But they had a bad rap problem, and they would actually, like, hear it, like, in the pipes. Ooh. Like, or not the pipes, the vents. The vents. So, like, people would get scared. And, like, there was even, she had a big issue where a rat was, like, running around in the vent underneath her. So her, her neighbor underneath thought it was them upstairs, like, doing tap dancing. I don't know. <laughs> late at night tap, in the middle <laughs> like at 1 30 you know they must be doing it really fast skittling about i guess so <laughs> it's like 1940s rats just in the vents so she got so mad one day that she went upstairs knocked on their door it's like stop tap dancing <laughs> not really not really i'm exaggerating but it's like stop making noise yeah. in the middle of the night and then they were confused they're like no we go to bed you know, maybe somebody will be at the desk working, but it's not like they're, you know, they're stomping mm-hmm. or making any noises with their feet, you know. Right. Unless, you know, maybe somebody scurries to the bathroom to go pee late at night, but besides that, there's no noise going on. So, then one of, like, a supervisor somehow got involved, and she was like, oh, yeah, it's it's the rats. They do that. They just, 1940s tap dance in the vents. It was just declared as a common truth. It's the rats. <laughs> it's the rats. And, and a few people actually had found rats going around in these dorms. So this is not like, like oh, like superstition. This is genuinely a rat problem. Mm. Um, so she used to have to clean her dorm all the time because she kind of had like two slobs as roommates. So, and Shame. she was always cleaning. Like this girl was stressed out. She'd be like, I have to clean my dorm again. Their room is a mess. And she wouldn't, I, I didn't know if she actually went inside their portion of the living area because you know there's two rooms like bedrooms you could say um with the desk and whatever um that was more personal you actually needed to get have a card to enter to that person's bedroom so she would say like you know how she would have to do the dishes all the time she would have to clean the bathroom and it mostly laid on her and another person Mm. and they both were living in the same Mm. like uh bedroom um, then besides that, I know another friend who also kind of had to do everything for one of her roommates because this roommate doesn't know how to clean. She didn't know how to clean or cook for herself. So she was like her mom the entire semester. That's and the girl couldn't like understand pathetic. or comprehend how to do her own cleaning and cooking to survive, essentially. No. Yeah, I think this is, this is pretty common. These sound like pretty severe cases, mm-hmm. but generally I think... These are quite common situations. Yeah. Especially with people who are newer to college, like people entering as freshmen. Uh, That's definitely a lot more common. And some people would say it's because they've been spoiled. I guess in a way that's true, they have been spoiled at home. But But how many people are being spoiled like that, you know? Yeah, but at the same time, it has to be more than that. It's too, that's too common for it to be just spoiling. I think it's about some more general condition. Do you think it's a national, like a, not national, and like ethnicity thing to it? Or like maybe like um, a class thing, like, you know, Hmm. do you feel like more middle class kids do it versus, I don't know, like lower income earning kids? Or do you think that, or like, as opposed to maybe say uh, higher class kids, Hmm. what, what do you think? Or do you think it's the same on all boards? Personally, I don't think there's any huge differences or discrepancies between between class or ethnicity or specific cultural groups, really. Mm-hmm. I think it's just generically young people at large not knowing how to do household chores and activities. 
The only type of correlation I might see is something perhaps among international students from yeah, I was also the international students a little bit. They just seem more generally responsible because, but I think that's not really related to class, but it's more about mindset. Mm. That it's like, since I'm in a foreign country, I should be very responsible, at least with this room setting. I'm actually surprised you say that because in the cases I was talking about, it was like two like Native Americans taking care of like international kids. Really? And, and yeah. the international kids are the ones that are yeah are not stepping up. Yeah. And actually, funnily enough, I have one more story. There was actually a guy um, who was in one of my classes. Um, him and I became pretty close. And he told me the whole tea. The whole tea on his uh, room situation. He was... In a room, there was... Okay, so the person that was in his personal bedroom where you also need a... It's another key card situation to open up the bedroom. It was him... So it was him and this international kid. He was from China. Mm. And then the other room, I think it was two Native Americans. I'm not fully sure. Um, But in any case, he... This this guy, he was uh, responsible for basically cleaning the bedroom because... This uh, international kid, his also his girlfriend roomed with them, which was very odd. Like she would come over and sleep over in this international kid's bed uh, while my friend was in his bed. It was very awkward, but uh, she would cook. I have another story about that. Maybe yeah. we can talk about that. I mean, uh, not we'll from talk my about own. the tea of outdoors. Second, yeah, second hand. I heard about. It. Okay, but go on. Yes. Yeah. So. so this girl, she would cook for the guy because he, I guess he didn't know how to cook himself, and I think at one point my friend also had to kind of like help him out with the cooking situation. But she would wait. Leave. Was the girlfriend also international? Or yes, was... she was also oh, okay, international. Right, that was cool. But she would cook for him, so she would cook usually like somewhat elaborate meals or big meals. Interesting. But, like, leave an entire mess in the kitchen. Right. So my friend was, like, on multiple occasions. And also, you could see, he showed me a picture he took of the bedroom while his his roommate was out. And on his side, so it's, like, literally cut in half. On his side was beautiful, organized, clean. And then the other side was mess. There was, the bed is undone. There's clothes everywhere. You know, uh, material, supplies everywhere. Um, And you you could see, like, this dude was kind of a slob. Mm. Um... And he would just complain all the time about how he would have to, on multiple occasions, ask his roommate, like, hey, man, can you please clean up your side a little bit? Or, hey, there's a bit of a mess in the kitchen. Like, can you put some of your dishes away? I mean, he also had other problems with the two other uh, suite mates, they Mm -hmm. call it, in the adjacent bedroom. Um, And that was more in regards to, like, the bathroom situation and sometimes the kitchen situation. But I feel a lot of the times it's uh, international kids at my school who... Actually, your story is reminding me of something that might amend my opinion a bit. Mm-hmm. I think now among international students, like I was saying generically, I think young people at large are, are not, like don't know how to do these household things. But I think maybe that's more applicable just to people who have been born and raised in the U.S., I think among international students, there is a bit of difference depending on the place they're from. Mm -hmm. I think I have heard a number of negative experiences with uh, with room and hygiene management uh, between like American students and uh, Chinese internationals. Uh, Like I, this is not my own experience, but it was uh, my friend who goes to another university. 
and he was saying he had two Chinese sweet mates who just like randomly transferred in the middle of the year, mm-hmm. and they just started cooking a ton, and they wouldn't really like clean up like like kind of like what you're talking about. They wouldn't really clean up afterwards, or like it would be very like half half assed cleanup in a way. Like it would be enough that like it doesn't look messy, but they didn't really look to get rid of stuff that would uh, keep smell. Yeah. Uh, going, which was a problem. So my roommate, like, not my roommate, sorry, uh, my friend would talk about, like, him having to open up the window lock just to air out the kitchen. Oh, it's Christ. Um, Did he ever get offered food, out of curiosity? Not really. And also, well, I think it was because my friend didn't really want to, because he, he's like, they, they were cooking some very experimental stuff. It wasn't yeah. even, like, generic Chinese food. Like, they were just cooking up random, like... Can you give me an example? It was, like, Okay, so they would just get spam. Okay. Just some spam and just, like, cook that up. Which is and already kind of gross. Yeah, and then just, like, it. toss some sardines with that. Oh, God, And no. just, like, have some rice somewhere. Materialized out of nowhere. So it, Why it, did they do this? It was very mishmash random stuff. Oh, it that's wasn't, gross. It wasn't dedicated. I'd be mad, too. <laughs> it wasn't dedicated, uh, like, cultural dishes mm-hmm. at all. It was literally just strange hybrid was there anything else they cooked that like was maybe ghetto more appetizing? dishes uh not really my friend my friend complained a lot that it was just yeah a lot of sardines for some reason they really like I mean, sardines story. are good but like you gotta clean up right after yeah because sardine much. smell will sardines and anchovies walls. they like they like the little fishes oh anchovies on pizza bomb that's just a side note <laughs> <laughs> i just wanted to put that out there so, <laughs> <laughs> so there was that and I think on top of that, there was a there was a communication Issue. communication barrier on top of that. So he would try to expo- express his displeasure at this dynamic, but I don't know if they feigned like they faked pretending to not understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he thinks he thinks that they were just faking it. He thinks they they knew exactly what he was upset about, but they just pretended not to fully understand as to continue just being able yeah, to do whatever Yeah, because you want. can kind of tell if somebody's mad because of the sardine smell. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it shouldn't be very yeah, complicated to understand if a man is just going up to the window going, you know, opening yeah. it up every night. Like, pretty obvious what he's upset about. So yeah. I don't... They would just pretend that they didn't understand, so... Yeah. There have been some negative experiences like that. Obviously, this is only some of the Chinese internationals. Now, I want to move on to other internationals. I think it's mm-hmm. dramatically different. Oh, really? Yeah, so, I think it's, what would you say, like, um, besides Chinese and Like, my roommate uh, last year from Pakistan. And he was uh, extremely upper middle class. Yeah, he, right. he, 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 you know, does well for himself if he's, if he's listening in here. <laughs> I don't know if he doesn't mind. <laughs> Shout out. Him. He does well for himself. Uh, enough that he even has maids back home in his house that mm. clean. Um, because labor is decently cheap enough that you can, you can hire yeah. several maids without too much of a problem. Um, and so, but he would still be responsible enough to, that we could agree and clean stuff together and, you know, set up our duties pretty efficiently. So I was, I was pretty happy about that. Um, and I, I've heard some other cases about German internationals and, um, African internationals, very, mm-hmm. very responsible from what I've heard hmm. uh, from my campus. I'm not sure about other campuses, but at least from my campus. So it seems among internationals there's a lot more variance from what I've observed in my experience and what I've heard from friends. Uh, but among 
American students, it just seems there's a baseline. It doesn't matter what class or what ethnicity. Um, a lot of people just don't have these household skills. Yeah, I, I believe that... I, I don't know. I feel like even if... it's, I feel like it's more dependent on the person. You know, if they have a more responsible attitude, I think they are going to take... Uh, a more serious role when it comes to like cleaning and cooking for themselves mm. you know and making sure they're not like gonna piss off their roommates because of the messes that they make because mm -hmm. I feel like also I don't have that much information on like what's the drama in like the dorms at my school and perhaps that's because I myself don't dorm yeah, but like I you know I've gotten similar complaints from friends from you know American roommates that they have or international roommates it's very much on an equal scale okay it, does, it doesn't you seem know. like there's too much difference there. yeah. yeah and for the most part i feel like the extreme cases i pointed out were more of like outliers because slightly of those specific people as compared to yeah the democrats and i think that everybody's gonna have like issues with their roommate like somebody's not gonna do the dishes when they're supposed to or they're gonna let it pile up even though that's their responsibility or they're gonna make a mess and forgot forget to clean it right away mm. and i think that's always gonna be the case i just find it so interesting more or less of the amount of people that might not know how to clean properly because i i hear mm. a lot of my friends both american and international who say you know, they don't know how to actually clean this properly. They don't know how to dust. They don't know how to wipe down a surface, like, without using, like, a million wipes or, like, paper towels. Like, you know, the usage of, like, rags, that sort of thing. Which I think is very... Just disinfecting uh, something efficiently. Yeah. Which kind of, like, leads me into um, when I was in high school. Because this is not just separately college. I think it also a lot of these behaviors show up in high school. I was taking a class, um, and for a record, we're in Queens, so this is like one of the most diverse places. I was taking a class about human sexuality and love, and part of it, um, the study was we have to speak about gender um, and gender roles and how kind of society uh, puts that amongst us and what society believes our roles should be. Um, especially when it comes to household responsibilities. Mm. So within this, my teacher was taking several polls. And in one of the polls, she asked if a, if the man of the house, for example, um, was the breadwinner, right? Mm. And he bought his new wife or his current wife, whatever, um, a washer machine. Does she have to clean all the clothes? Does she have to do all the laundry? Right? Mm. Is she responsible? Because she got that washer machine. She got that new washer machine. That was like kind of, I guess you could say, a gift to her. Wait, I'm confused. Did did the wife want that though, or it was just just? I don't given? remember. I think she, she said, yeah, the wife okay. wanted it. It's not much of a gift if the person doesn't really want. Yeah, it. because I mean, you know, it's supposed to share household. So mm. then, um, you know, people answered, and you know, most surprisingly, most of the guys said yes. <laughs> um, I don't know how surprisingly that is, but most of the guys said yes, and when my teacher asked one of the boys, why do you think that she should be solely responsible of the laundry, even though that that's something that should be shared amongst the household, and if she herself has a job, and he said, well, in my own experience, uh, my mom does all of our laundry, and this was a, in senior year of high school, when we were all around the age of 18, 17, mm -hmm. well, my mom does all my laundry, because when I do it, it's not good. 
<laughs> and then we all looked at him and I asked him, I, like, what? I, I, that, just, that just sounds so funny to imagine. That's why I'm like, Because he's like, I don't know, my mom just does it better. My mom and my sister do it better. They do the laundry oh, better. Oh, his sister does it. That's that's an interesting... Yeah. How, but how much... Did he say how much older the sister is? Or if she's even I think, older? I don't know. But it seemed to be that, like, maybe his sister was probably a bit younger. A bit younger. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Um, but I'm not sure. I didn't know him personally. Sure. Okay. But he said, like, you know, when my mom and my sister do it... You know, they do it better than me. Or there was actually kids saying, like, a boy specifically saying, like, oh, I don't know how to do the laundry. I've never done the laundry. That's my mm. mom's responsibility, mm. you know. And, you know, of course, as we went more into, like, this discussion, a lot of people were saying, like, yeah, no, the cleaning is left to my mom. Or for some households who have, like, equal partnership, mm. you know, they'll be like, oh, yeah, that responsibility is for my parents. Like, the only thing that they themselves were responsible for was keeping their room clean. And managing their room. Right. But outside of that, like, their parents would do everything. Or if they had, like you said in the beginning, older... Uh, older family members. Family members, the family members would step in. Yeah. Which is going on in my household now. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandmother cleans our kitchen and guest bathroom. Mm-hmm. As well as our laundry. But she does that because, you know, she kind of, like, lives here rent-free. Mm-hmm. And we don't expect her to do this. Um that's a big disclaimer she kind of chose to do it because as a way of i don't know why not i don't want to use repaying because that sounds silly expressing some gratitude i guess so in a practical way but this is something that wasn't forced on her we even have told her multiple times please don't do it yeah Yeah, but she really wants to do it but there has been occasions where i know how to do my own laundry and i did it before i moved into my current house which was four years ago right um and you know, I know how to do my own laundry, but my grandma just chooses to do it for me. Right. But if I say she got sick or something, you know, God forbid, I know how to do my own stuff. Right, right. And I still have major responsibility. If anything, I think I have more responsibilities in mm. my house to clean. Yeah, I, I get that. I think when it, what it is in my own experience, uh, when I'm home, like I've known how to do my laundry since high school. But when I'm home, I generally don't do my own laundry because... My mother likes to do all of our laundry in bulk, and also the the reason why my mother took it on is not it was out of convenience actually because uh, she stays home now so um, it's much more convenient to do it during the afternoon after gathering up everyone's mm-hmm. laundry after the morning and then and then doing it when it's necessary as compared to my dad coming home very late and then trying to do it and then folding on the laundry at like nine o'clock yeah it would be very awkward so that one was purely convenience i'm sure if my dad was a stay-at-home dad he would probably do that yeah he would actually probably do it in the morning because he's so obnoxious like i don't want to do it you know later in the day or something yeah i mean for me i think in my household it's very like Mm. uh cultural in the sense like parents do expect the kids i guess because i am latinx they do expect the kids to clean up more Mm. because you know that's their responsibility although the parents will still clean some things um, although I will say maybe it is a bit different in my household, my parents do have more modern attitudes, mm-hmm. um, because when I was speaking to another friend of mine who is Latinx, she told me she was, you know, uh, sole, like, person that was put on these, like, cleaning responsibilities in mm-hmm. her house, and cooking responsibilities. I remember I was on a, uh, oh man, I hope she doesn't, like, <laughs> take offense that I'm talking about this, but I was... I was talking to her on a video call, and her and I were just talking, sipping wine, right? Because quarantine things. Um, and her Lassie. And her brother, like, asked her what's, what's there to eat. And she was like, 
you know, she was telling me, like, oh, I gotta, like, kind of cook for my brother, because that's just part of my responsibility, Mm. or she would tell me, like, how she would have to clean, Mm. and that was, like, the responsibility that she had in her household, Mm. you know, which I found was really odd, so, I I mean, it can be a partially cultural thing. It could be. In, In my household, the very core fundamental household things, uh, laundry and cooking uh cooking is generally done by my mother but my grandmother does a significant amount because she well because she actually likes to cook a lot she likes to cook um, and prepare traditional korean dishes so i she generally does that because she likes to and doesn't really have to honestly because mm-hmm. my mom could and but already... you yourself don't know how to cook I, we, I, not, I, don't know, I don't know. I don't know how to uh, cook outside. anything complicated. I could cook like basic breakfast foods, which anyone could cook. Are you afraid that like when you are out of the house that you might not have the knowledge to like cook for yourself? Or no, I think I could definitely scrap something up together. It might not be the best quality since I didn't practice enough, but mm-hmm. it's, it's edible. I, I will survive. I won't die. Okay. Uh, that that much is true. I know to cook the most basic, fundamental. Uh, breakfast foods i also do know actually how to prepare rice by myself a full pot wow. of rice yeah wow i, I, I could actually martha do that. stewart it, has entered the chat it might be slightly too watery or slightly too dry and you might be displeased <laughs> eating it but it, it is edible rice you will survive right. eating it i literally have <laughs> cooked so much during this quarantine it's so funny that you're like you know my rice kind of sucks but then i'm here like literally a day ago i made like fresh halal food uh-huh. and like the rice was like so perfect mm-hmm. and it was like done like falafel over rice like traditionally done uh-huh. and then like here i am making vegan mac and cheese and you're here crying that you yeah, can't have I, good rice i can i can make survival what do your parents food? think of your rice because i know like in asian culture like rice is a very uh, big component of I, the meal I, I mean like sometimes i half prepare it and well but then my mom just like amends it so that's like okay mm. so i don't think i don't think i've ever prepared it for my family on my own because yeah i would usually just do like half the preparation like wash it set up a certain amount of water uh and then just leave it there and for my mom to inspect see like wow is it all right is oh can i actually ask acceptable? you something mm-hmm. okay because do you clean the rice yeah, we, we rinse it. Uh, cl- we, we set it in like a Do you like bowl. clean it to the point that it's like clear water? Yes. Okay. Yeah. We don't do that. You don't do that? No. It's not actually necessary, but I, I think my parents and my grandmother just got super used to doing that. Yeah, because I don't know. Like, I feel like in other, like, cultures where rice is a big component in the mm. meal, for me, Latinx, it's like rice and beans. Like, mm. we don't ever wash the rice. Right. And I never grew up with somebody washing rice. What rice... What is the origin of the rice? Like, we're buying Korean rice imported from Korea at the Korean supermarket. Uh, Goya. Yeah. So so wherever Goya is made, we're ch- okay. they have multiple factories. Yeah, so. exactly. I know there's a factory in PR, but I don't know what specifically they so make. Maybe, so maybe it depends. Which, like, there's I, supposed to be a Goya ban, but yeah. right now we have Carolina, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not knowledgeable enough about the, the origins of rice production, but... I I feel like it has some reason to do with that it's specifically from Korea. I think mm-hmm. that's why there's so much. But then I was reading through. online because I was like, this is something I've been really curious about, and I've been kind of like trying to ask people. Because mm. um, I know there's a few like in certain like African homes mm. or like African American homes, they clean the rice too, but it's like very divided. 
So I don't know who's cleaning the rice and why. Are we talking about Caribbean origin or are we talking just about... Like, Africa, like, actual, like... Oh, actual, like, African heritage. Because, like, I'm, like, Puerto Rico's in the Caribbean and, like, I have a lot of, like, Caribbean friends and... Yeah, no, I, I was thinking And they don't, Haitian. like, wash their rice. That's not something that's part of the culture. Okay, right. But, but people with actual African mm-hmm. heritage, they do clean the rice. Yeah. Interesting. I wasn't aware of that. But, no, but like, it's kind of divided, because there's some people who don't. Oh. Yeah. Okay, I, I personally would not know about that. I don't think there's a huge effect, and I don't Me think... Me neither. I don't think uh, you, there will be any adverse health effects from not cleaning the rice. I'm pretty sure it's regulated enough, since it's such a core product, that there will be nothing wrong with not cleaning it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's it's probably a preference, or if you know something specific about where it comes from, maybe you might want to... Maybe there's like an off chance that you something's on it, and then you need to clean it. Maybe that's how it works. Yeah. I should probably ask my parents more about that. I love how like there's a nuance of like rice. I'm putting this tra- in the bio. <laughs> how, how rice is treated across Charlie cultures. and Andrew discussed the nuances of laundry and rice. That has taken up like such a big portion of this discussion. <laughs> I'm gonna have to edit the audio <laughs> in Premiere. La- laundry and rice. Yeah, I'm gonna literally edit some of the audio in Premiere. That's fine. And Okay, so alright, let's move on actually. So you know, now that we're talking about how like there's a lot of um Oh, yeah. Actually, let's, like, touch up on mm. our theories as to why a lot of people don't know how to kind of do things for themselves, how they, why they don't. Because we did talk about that, yes, usually family members will take up those responsibilities, usually the older family members, right. um, whether it be your mom, your dad, your grandparents, uh, etc. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the fact of, like, a lot of households are now outsourcing their, like, cleaning mm-hmm. to cleaning companies. Because right now we were actually looking... So we decided to look up um, a cleaning company because now more middle class families can afford it. It usually something even in the eighties that was more exclusive towards upper class people. Right. But now regular middle class, even blue collar class working people can afford a cleaning service of some type. So for two hours, it's usually fifty dollars if you have just like one person come in. Mm. You know, minusing that if, like, you're a hoarder, the price probably comes up. Yeah, probably if there's more work than your average house, they're going to demand <laughs> more reasonably. Exactly. And in America right now, there's 3.24 million people in the cleaning service. So, obviously, there's such a there's a very big demand yeah. for this. And, um, you know, spring cleaning especially is when the most uh, cleaning services are hired. Right. Um because usually that's when people really do a big clean and they don't want to necessarily do that big clean or they feel so overwhelmed that they outsource that. Mm-hmm. So that's like another theory. Um, and since we're ta- talking about outsourcing, we wanted to move on to the next conversation that you're very passionate about currently, which is public transportation and the perception of city kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Let's, let's have you start this off. Especially when it comes to New York City, there's a very significant perception from people out of state that New York City kids are very adept at using public transit. They know Mm -hmm. how to get anywhere and everywhere using public transit. Yes. Very confidently. They use their instincts solely. Very efficiently. 
And I have just observed from my social experience that that has not held up to be true, that stereotype. Yeah. There's a, I think there's a very significant portion of young people who are driven or use driving services to get to and from a lot of places all the time. And so, and they'll only use public transit as a last resort or maybe if their friend says, oh, there's a very convenient way to get there by public transit. We don't have to you know, use an Uber or Lyft. Uh, how about we just hop on the bus here? We just hop on the subway. Um, and what's interesting because people will come from out of state and then meet up with their New York City friends and be like, oh man, show me how the subway works. And then I'll see that and they'll just be like, ha I don't use the subway a lot. Google I Maps. Have, I have nowhere, I have no idea where I'm going. We need that Google Maps right now. I also uh-huh. don't know which entrance we should use or how to navigate the subway station. I mean, as somebody who does commute, I still don't know sometimes the entrance I should be going out. You know, when, like, to see which closest street you mm. can go on? Yeah. I, like, get so confused. I'm like, I can't tell north from south. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's not that bad, but I, I think... Getting on the right car is pretty Well, important. yeah, that, yeah. that I can handle. Get, getting on the right car is pretty... Some people don't know. They just get on whatever car and think that's, like, fine. But I mean, like, in pertaining to, like, Queens, right? Because I feel like this is more adamant within Queens. Oh, definitely. Although, I mean, most of my friends are, like, pretty good with the bus. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I have friends who do Uber and Lyft, and, like, you know, sometimes I do it. That's mm-hmm. usually if I'm, like, really going out of the way somewhere. Right. But for the most part, when I was going to school, I was commuting, so I would take the Long Island Railroad, and then I would, like, hop into the subway and then take just, like, one, like, train car, Mm -hmm. you know? And then I got so used to it that now I know how to navigate. But now, like, since this pandemic has hit, Mm -hmm. definitely, like, I know what it's like to have to get chauffeured everywhere by my parents or use, like, Lyft and Uber. Because I feel like the bus system in Queens is, like, such garbage. It's... It's pretty scuffed. It, it has been scuffed. You were late like an hour because of the bus. Well, I did leave a little later, but that's okay. true. Yeah, I, I had to wait for a while. Yeah. Um, I mean, it has been scuffed for a while. Yeah. But it, it's even more scuffed now with the fact that they don't want to Because like even from like nuts. prep or oops, I'll bleep that. <laughs> even from high school, because I'm probably going to talk shit about it like later in the podcast <laughs> episodes. But like even coming from high school... And then taking the bus was just so horrible. First off, it's because we went to one of, like, the biggest, like, non-diocesan high schools, uh-huh. right? And it was it was relatively big, so, like, everybody would just cram, like, sardines into the bus, so you would get pushed off a lot. Mm. Or, like, the freaking bus driver would try to slam the doors, and, like, you know, there was arms and limbs lost in those doors. So, you know, there was also the trauma behind that. And also just the sheer fact of, like, how long it would take. So, like, say you missed those three initial buses that kind of, like, corralled during, like, 2.45 dismissal. Mm. And, like, the next bus would take, like, freaking 30 minutes to get there if you missed all three, Mm -hmm. you know, and you messed up your schedule. And I would have to take two buses. So if that, if I got screwed up, like, with the first bus, Mm. the second bus wouldn't come Mm -hmm. and I would have to also wait additionally a long time to get home. Right. So I think, like... The bus system is just traumatic in Queens. Yeah, it is pretty intense. And it is very pattern-based, like you said. Yeah. You have to get in within the right window or else you're going to have to wait. Yeah, and then you have to take buses to the subway, so there's also trauma behind that. 
I think what's very dramatic too is the range that people are willing to use or know how to use public transit. Mm-hmm. Like with Queens, like let's say you live in Queens, maybe the max they're willing to go is only within Queens. There are some people like that. Or the max they're willing to go is only within Manhattan. Mm. And then if they go to Manhattan, it's a full day thing. And then once they come back, they're done. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's too exhausting to go anywhere else. And it's, so it's very, very rare to find anyone that has the entire city within their range when it comes to public transit. I've known how to use public transit for a long time, since I was 12 or 13, to be able to go anywhere. So my range is basically the full city. The problem is no one wants to go anywhere that's like too far in their perception mm. because they're saying it's too exhausting. I'm it's, just too broke to go anywhere. <laughs> But sometimes you don't necessarily have to go there and buy something or do something. There are, there are museums or yeah. local attractions that mm-hmm. won't cost you. The only cost is going there. Uh, I would've done that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you don't necessarily have to spend an exorbitant amount on food or uh, specific entertainment. Just buy hello. Yeah, but th- I, I feel like a lot of people have that expectation. So that's a different. That's a, kind of a different topic. Maybe that does affect. Make the MTA range. free. Make the MTA free. Oh, that's such a big movement right now. Well, maybe prior to maybe the whole pandemic situation, uh, but it it was, like, really getting momentum. Was it really? I, yeah. I, I never heard about it. Or maybe that. that's because I'm, like, within, like, the liberal school setting, uh-huh. like, with a bunch of, like, liberal university students. Well, so maybe in the city. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't going to college in the city, in the city so that's, that's probably yeah. why I didn't hear about that. Yeah, and I was in downtown, so... I, I knew a lot about, like, the movement coming up. So maybe it was just because I had overexposure. Okay. But I don't know. I heard it being talked about on the news a few times. Not to toot my own horn <laughs> about knowing movements before they get big. Oh, wow. You are just a pioneer, I guess. I am such a pioneer. Mm. but Trailblazer. I am. Thank you. <laughs> you know, but it really sucked. I mean, like, it's so, like... What, like, going back to the fact that I don't have a license and I needed to get chauffeur here, it sucks being in, like, suburban-type areas like this. Although, Queen, like, the part in Queens that we're in is not as suburban, but it, it is a, pretty suburban. It has a suburban feeling. It's very pseudo-suburban. It's pseudo, yeah, pseudo-suburban. I mean, the transit here is pretty much okay-ish. Yeah. It, you know, like it's the, not amazing, not optimal, but it yeah. will get the job done with right planning. Yeah, but... It, it really sucks, like, not having a license, because I think I was just so spoiled from the fact of being in the city, like, I can get anywhere with this Metro card. Mm. Like, I can go four blocks down with this Metro card. Like, you know? And then, it like, the fact of me not having a license didn't really even matter, because mm. it's all at my fingertips. But then, pandemic happened, and I really messed myself up. And not being able to drive truly sucks. Yeah, that's definitely true. What's interesting is that you would think since public transit is very well established compared to other large cities in the United States. Yeah. Uh, it's very well established in New York City, comparatively. Globally, no, but but nationally, yes. Yeah. So you would think that a lot of young people are very adept at using it. Very, uh, It's very common, but not really. There's a lot of people who use cars ton um and that's their main transportation like just to, just to even go to the gym that's only a few blocks away or maybe mm-hmm. you know like a simple 10 10 block walk they're gonna use a car for that yeah uh and which also comes into like destroying the environment you know yeah and that that too 
it's just but it's interesting to me because it's not that large of a distance and then or there's some distances that are still convenient enough by public transit uh but people don't want to you know pile on the 17 i think like, this is crowded there's stress also going into like yeah exactly right it's a psycho there's a psychological thing going yeah because i remember when i was first coming into the city first commuting like i would get stressed out about the subway system mm. And especially when I had to do, like, little field trips or something or go somewhere within the city that, like, my professor assigned or I had to go to a certain supply store. Like, it would stress me out. But, like, now that, like, I'm more inept when it... Nah. Adept. Adept. There we go. Now that I'm more adept with, like, transit system, like, for me, it's not a big deal. Sometimes if, like, I'm not familiar Mm. with the location... I'll, like, just Google Maps it, and then I'll memorize it, and I'll be like, okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there definitely is a big psychological element. They feel intimidated by the hustle-bustle, large crowding of the subway, so they feel, ah... Although, I have to say... Uber that. People in my school who are from other parts of the country, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I have a friend who's from Chicago, Mm -hmm. and actually kind of knew more about the subway system than i did a native new yorker which felt at one point at one point which i felt bamboozled like i really did i felt really bad about myself as a new yorker they really did their research i guess i literally cried myself to sleep that night yeah you still have a because he but the thing is it's like i think he took a map and just memorized it okay that's that's like routes because like he told me like the green line is this, and, like, this is this, and that means this. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> oh. Wow. I, I knew that. I just wanted to see if you knew that. Yeah, I was testing uh, you, nice. homie. <laughs> also, the bears. The bears? The bears. Oh, my God, you don't know what that is? I, I have not heard of this foreign tongue. So, there's this, like, famous dude within, like, the NFL, so the bears, like, the football team. Yes. So, he used to say, the bears. As in, like, the Bears. Like, the Chicago Bears. It's not even football. I think it's baseball. Wow, now you're embarrassing yourself. I don't know sports. Even though I was initially supposed to be embarrassed for not knowing this term. I guess we're both buffoons. I'm not gonna lie, I immediately... Can we name the podcast Two Buffoons Talk? (laughs) Two Buffoons in Balloons. God. <laughs> that, was, that was terrible. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry for anyone in the audience who had to hear that terrible... I'm probably going to edit new, this out. <laughs> uh, yeah, d- definitely definitely cut this out or put in a blooper reel or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. The, the terrible content. Okay, hold on. And then... So we have the attitude to public... This has been like about laundry and like complaining about the NYC transit. That's fine. Okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I think we made it oh, okay, so digestible like, enough. Okay, so then let's go into, wrap it up with, um, why are boys now being taught, like, the Americana... The, the manly man technical craft. Okay, yeah, let's talk about that. The manly man technical craft. So stereotypically, at least in America, I don't know how it is for other countries... Um, weigh in in the oh. comments below. There's no comments There's anywhere. There's no comments. This is a podcast. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but, in, okay, so for real, like, so, you know, traditionally in America, at least from 80s and 90s films, boys uh, w- would get taught by their fathers 
how to fix cars or how to fix um like technical household stuff such as like how to repair a sink right mm, right or how to change a light bulb but i feel like anybody knows how to yeah, do that. Can do that yeah. anybody with a brain cell knows oh, yeah. that unless unless it's in very complicated locations. but just how to fix stuff how to be the handyman right how house. to repair a decks what all the tools in the toolbox are and what their yes. specific usages are uh repairing basic uh stuff with the car under the hood yeah type of, that type, type of stuff yeah mainly man stuff Right. Because obviously women can't handle being in stuff. Yeah, or, or simple uh, simple carpentry. Somebody's going to like edit that out and put me on blast <laughs> without All, context. Out of context. Can- cancel Charlie, <laughs> everyone. Cancel Charlie 2020. Uh, make, that, make that a running uh, hashtag on uh, Instagram, please. please. Destroy her career even though you might not specifically know who she is. <laughs> Just the anonymity of yeah. it all. Yes. But in any case, um, you know, so like... Fathers would teach their sons traditionally in America how to do these things. Mm. But now we're kind of seeing this big culture shift where a lot of guys, and even some girls, like, I mean, you know, some girls are taught this, but, like, let me receive that. I'm going to edit that. So we're having this big culture shift where a lot of boys don't actually know how to do these simple, like, crafty technical skills right like as you were saying before with the car and everything else um you know like they don't know how to fix a tire and i think like i get that complaint from my mom a lot because she was her an 80s kid Mm. so for her when she grew up that was like something so common like even the most geeky or nerdy guys they knew how to do those type of things because their dad taught them right but now we're seeing that that's not really the case anymore Hmm. you know and i think you know, we can always blame it on the internet because there's a how-to video. For everything. For everything, even how to tie your own tie. Um, and also, there might be a secondary reason, which is uh, strained father relationships. Maybe. I feel like this is that second reason is something you would need a decent amount of data mm-hmm. for, to at, at large, nationally, to see... Like some polling data or something, or something from a psychological research institute would probably help. Well, what about you personally? And more, maybe not in the most pragmatic or like statistical term. What do you think personally? What's your theory on to why? I actually just thought of this, but I think it's the internet with the how to for everything combined with shifts in common jobs in the economy. Mm-hmm. Actually, now that I think about it, because. Before, there, in the United States, uh, in the mid-20th century, there was a lot of manufacturing jobs, a lot of trade school-based jobs. Yes. So a lot of people were working with their hands uh, post-World War II. Men and women, actually, post-World War II, because of, because of the war, low, low labor domestically, so women would start working a lot of these mechanical-based jobs. These J-O-Bs. J-O-Bs. The very technical term. (laughs) And so there was a huge proliferance of that in the mid-20th century. But now the United States isn't known for manufacturing. Mid-20th century, 1900s, there was, and post-World War II, there's a lot of manufacturing jobs. Because the United States was considered a manufacturing economy. And also there was a lot of trade school jobs, like electricians, carpenters, masons. So there was a lot of hands-on 
construction or technical craft jobs or factory jobs which involved physical labor in some respects. So that's why by the time of the 80s, it's very common for everyone to have some of this kind of technical craft mm. knowledge because it's just simply passed down because of what people were working as. But clearly, the United States is not the manufacturing giant it used to be. We don't really produce cars domestically anymore. We don't produce a lot of things domestically. We outsource to Asia or other locations. We design things. Yeah. We create blueprints. We create patents. But we don't really domestically manufacture because the cost of labor is very high compared to those other places. And also, maybe even the resources are more readily available to those other places. Sometimes. So you're saying more people are mostly entering... A workforce that doesn't necessarily require hands-on right. technical skills, but more or less relies on um, how a person de- like designs and how a person maybe basically stepping away from the manufacturing yeah. tech a, jobs. A, a lot of yeah, we call it some some uh, social scientists call it a post-industrial economy, mm-hmm. um, post in, specifically post-industrial service economy. We offer a lot of services like tourism, hotels, you know, entertainment complexes, uh, or we design technology, or we supply healthcare, or we develop uh, other types of less physically oriented things, or we have online businesses, uh, and so these don't really involve the know-how for repairing a car or repairing your house's deck or uh, doing some of your own at-home reconstruction of your attic. Well, yeah, because, and again, I think we're so used to having this, like, outsourcing type economy that we would just hire a service to do that for us, you know? Right, like, why, why bother that? building up my knowledge with those skills when there are so many other skills now? Would you say it would competing? be lack of time also? Lack of time... Hmm. No, if people really wanted to do those things, I feel like they could make the time, but they no one really wants to do those things anymore, like on their own terms. Actually, funnily enough, I'm trying to begin to learn about like, like mechanics, like car mechanics, mm-hmm. like basic stuff. Obviously, I'm not gonna be st- you know the next Ford, mm-hmm. but um, because I I believe what, especially with this economy and how it's going, that it's something that I kind of essentially need to know. Hmm. Techn- technical so what, what do you mean by that why, why, like why if would you my tire like uh-huh. something happens to my tire like I wouldn't know how to fix it oh. so I wouldn't have to maybe rely mm-hmm. on like a car mechanic mostly because they're a bunch of scams but also yeah. you know how to like do you my own trash. oil or even just like hardware S- stuff around the house uh-huh. and also I've learned that because like my first year I actually didn't know how to like, I had to learn how to cut wood and all mm. that fun stuff, how to use a drill properly. So I couldn't actually make things, and I could repair things if I thought about it in a very pragmatic sense. Oh, so you were thinking about this in a more self-sufficient Yeah, self-sufficient. Of... And that's interesting. It's because of a quarantine and shutdown, since people didn't have access to a lot of services, they started opting in for more self-sufficiency things. Like, do it yourself. Like, yeah, do it yourself projects or having a rooftop garden to grow your own food briefly mm-hmm. me literally me yeah and uh yeah like you said repairing your own car repairing your own house a bit 
That's true. I, this specific time has really increased the urge and desire to get those kinds of skills again. But how long that will last, I, I don't really know. Or mm -hmm. if people will just forget about it because it was just a trend. But I think once you learn a skill, you know it for life. Uh, yeah, with enough practice. With enough. Well, practice. obviously, yeah. yeah. It, not because you just did it one time. You're master level car mechanic. Yes, replace yeah. one tire. Also, I've been like trying time. to do like bike stuff because oh yes. my god, to so repair your bike, what a money like well that is, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, change, yeah, it is, like, changing your tire, because, like, um, I know somebody who knows how to change their own bike tire, so they actually taught me how to do it, because, um, one of my tires got messed up, because I didn't know this, it's not the tire that deflates, it's the tube within the tire that deflates, oh, so there's a forbidden knowledge, there's a tube, and, okay, this is, like, your fun fact of the day, so the, there's a tube, and then your tire, there are some tires that don't have tubes, and are, like, self-sufficient without the tube, so you're inflating the tire itself, but, there's a, usually in most bikes, there's a tube and a tire. The tube is the thing that deflates, not your tire. Wow. So my tube had a rip in it and I had to actually go to like Models, get the tube because they would have like literally cost me an arm and a leg, especially if there's a bike shop in like Franny Lou. Mm. I won't say which, they're going to sue me. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be like, uh, the 13 people who listen to this podcast don't come to my stuff. You're not coming to my more. store anymore. Uh, we're going to sue you for yeah, slander. Yeah. But like, they usually cost kind of like an arm and a leg. I do go to a different uh, bike repair, but still, I don't really want to dish out that money for like a tube. Just and then wait to tired. get my bike back. Yeah. And it's a repair that literally took my friend like 20, 25 minutes. Yeah. So... Um, I actually genuinely learned how to, like, repeat, like, replace the tubes mm -hmm. on my tire. Okay. And it's, like, so, it's actually kind of fulfilling when you do it. And then I, I learned how to, what else did I learn how to do? Just how to, like, repair the handles a little bit. Mm. How to use proper, like, bike tape on it. Right. If it hurts your little hands. Like, you know. <laughs> if the grips are hurting That's your hands. That's nice. Just, just optimizing your... And your then grip. soon I'm going to be painting my bike. Because, God forbid, you get a paint job. That's going to, like... Oh. That's it. Yeah. You're in debt. That'd be $500. <laughs> like honestly that's what it is though I and mean, I want a custom paint job and I know how to paint cause okay. you know yeah, that's, that, that does seem pretty good alright we'll do two fun facts while she's searching Fine. up, searching up. <laughs> there is there is a very terrifying execution and slash torture medieval torture method it is called the pair of anguish and what it is, is that it is a metal device with, uh, that's a stick with a metal pair on the end. But it's not just, like, a solid pair. Actually, when you twist the stick, uh, the pair opens up in four parts with spikes mm -hmm. on the inside. Oh, God. Yeah. So what they would do is, uh, if they just want to kill you, they probably just, they just shove it in your mouth and just twist it and then just, like, this... The, the pair just opens up and the spikes go out and then mm -hmm. uh, it just rips your head open and you die. Jesus Christ. Uh, if they want to torture you, they shove it up your ass. Oh my God. Uh, right in there and they just twist it and... and just then a lot it, of bleeping. You are just... Yeah. You are just eviscerated from the bottom. Mm. Um, yeah, the pair of angles. Why do you know this? Um, I went down the YouTube rabbit hole about like medieval torture because I was Christ. curious. Like there's another thing called like 
Yeah, there's, there's all these other types of things, actually. <laughs> they just put people on wheels, braking wheels. They would just get these giant metal or, before, uh, yeah. or wooden wheels and they just break each of your limbs and stuff like that and just execute you. Mm. Well... Yeah, so pair of anguish, everyone. Remember Jesus that. Uh, so when you want to threaten your friends, say... Um, I'm going to use the pair Stop of clapping. anguish. We've talked I'm about sorry. this on the pot. <laughs> I am sorry. You just say, I will use the take pair Take a shot every time Andrew Lee claps. Andrew cla- Actually, I didn't clap that many times no, during this podcast. Take a shot every time we say like, and there's clapping oh, noises. Oh, please don't. Please don't. You'll die. You'll literally die of alcohol poisoning if you take a shot every time we say like. <laughs> because we've, we've re-listened to these podcasts. And, and we don't say like that much in real life. Exactly. I think we just get so nervous on, like, on mic that we just say like all the time <laughs> exactly we're just not entirely used to the podcast dynamic so you just replace your nervousness with like it's very bad yeah so take so, a shot every time don't do that You'll don't die. drink and drive don't don't all right my fun fact uh, <laughs> so my fun fact is hmm i'll let you choose do you want to know something about the royals or about japanese Oh, give me the Japanese one. Okay. So, in Japan, you can rent your own family slash girlfriend slash boyfriend. Not in an... by the, For the girlfriend boyfriend, not as like an escort service. Not like, oh, okay, I'm going to have sex after this date. No, like, rent the experience of having one. The only thing you can do is like... And with the family one, too, you can only hold hands. <laughs> or like, handshake. No hugging is allowed. No kissing, obviously, is allowed. That is... Because there's such a deep loneliness and repression in Japanese people, apparently, from the the CEO who was talking about this, um, that they actually rent people to be their family, slash girlfriend, slash boyfriend, just for the experience of it. I I could believe the boyfriend, slash girlfriend one, because... That's kind of, like, slightly escorty, but... There's actually a very popular manga and anime that's literally just called like rent a girlfriend and it's just about this guy who rents a bunch of different girlfriends and then tries to prevent the other girlfriends from mm-hmm. finding out he's renting the other girlfriend <laughs> yeah it's very bad uh, <laughs> so, well, at least very trashy in a way yeah. but i didn't know about the family that is really shocking yeah yeah that is nuts there and when i was so i was watching because this is a whole documentary type thing so when it was it's on asian boss if you actually want to know more on oh. youtube if you want to know more about this but apparently, please sponsor the run. <laughs> the rundown of this is that he, so the CEO who created this company, he started doing it because he had to basically be rented as a father by somebody he knew because a friend of his tried getting her daughter into a preschool, like a very advanced preppy preschool, but they denied the mom because she was a single parent. So he kind of saw that there was a need for this. So he, but the weird, really messed up part about it, he's been rented as a father for like nine years from multiple families. And no, it gets worse. The child actually thinks that's their dad. Oh, that is crushing. And there's also, he's been rented also as like, and he's CEO, so he himself kind of has to like keep up the act, but he himself has been rented out as a groom uh, for a wedding day. Like, there was a story where this woman, she was marrying a guy that she truly loved, but he had tattoos, and her family super strict and conservative, so they would deny the so relationship they didn't, they didn't and disown her. Out. So she married a rent-a-groom. 
<laughs> wow. That is absolutely nuts. Like, she did a pretend wedding, and then she really married the other guy that she's with. Um, there was also, there's another case where it was, you know, people rent spouses, they rent infants, too. So, like, they're, like, usually it's a Renting mom. Renting babies now. Yeah, no, because, like, the mom, because it's usually a package with the mom. Oh. So, usually they would have to, they would usually need, a, uh, like, some type of wife slash mother type thing. So, they would have, like, an infant with them to show this is my new baby. Um, sometimes I could see where maybe this is justified because there's been, uh, scenarios like this girl rented out, like, a dad and infant because her dad was dying and she was on bad terms with the dad for a number of years. So, on his deathbed, he asked to see her family and she didn't have one because she was kind of like a single woman. So, <coughs> take a shot. <laughs> so. Corona, I'm dead. You didn't even say bless you. Bless you. <laughs> no, talking about corona is more important. It's overtaking our lives. Jesus Christ. So, that was his wish. So, she did the rent a family <laughs> and showed her dad. Wow. That is... That's some intense stuff. I, yeah. I think I'm going to have an existential crisis now, but what the, what the meaning... Yeah. The meaning of existing as a human... But if you... And you can actually... On, on Asian Boss, on YouTube, you can actually see, like the rent a family in a scenario like an actual scenario with a guy who rents a mom and a daughter quite regularly wow that is that is actually hefty or a wife and a daughter sorry a wife and daughter duo it's kind of tragic yeah it's actually pretty tragic so so we'll leave leaving you off on a really sad note yeah we'll leave you off on a really sad note that makes you question your existence as a human being but uh until next time have a good one, everybody. Bye.